Everything set up, gentlemen? Just about. Lights, cameras, Welcome to the 70mm Mindset, a podcast where we talk about films and TV shows, and today we're going to be talking about the movie Black Widow. Uh, It's Marvel's latest cinematic release, and we're going to be picking it apart and diving deep into what makes this um, either a great movie or a bad movie. So we have some hot takes coming up, um, some insightful discussion, and we hope you can enjoy it. Um, I'm Nathan Matthews, and I'm joined by Nathan Coley, um, and we each are uh, film uh, enthusiasts. We like to really dive into all the different aspects of films and what makes them great. Um, Definitely. Nate, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, so I'm Nathan Coley, as Nathan Matthews said. Um, I think to make it easier, we can refer to myself as Nate and Nathan Matthews as Nathan, so that that clears things up a little bit. But Mm. I basically have been into film since about the beginning of 2020. There was this one class we did in uh, a winterum class where we dove into all the hidden meanings, all the thematic relevance, all the cinematic breakdowns of film. And ever since that class, I've found a lot of, a lot of joy and just interest in exploring film, analyzing it, finding the, finding the quality ones, finding ones that are really effective, finding the ones that may not be so effective, maybe poorly written. Um, and so I've just been getting more and more into it as, time goes on what's your experience with film um i i started really diving into film through the cinematography side of things mm-hmm. um after uh after starting on photography i just fell in love with all the awesome colors and um like the, the fast lenses that they shoot on film just the beautiful uh scenes that can be created and I also am a big fan of uh, Christopher Nolan films, and uh, his his movies have kind of been like a gateway into letting me dive really deep into discussing um, and deeply analyzing movies, because there's a lot of layers that can be unpacked, and sometimes it takes a movie with a lot of obvious layers to be able to find the less obvious layers in other films. So mm-hmm. I just love talking about the details and really um, expounding a lot on um, all those details. For sure. And mm-hmm. so what's your experience with Black Widow and maybe just as the MCU as a whole for a little bit of context before we delve in? Yeah. So I'll start with my thoughts on the MCU. Um, so for those not aware, the MCU is basically... Um, a collection of, I think, almost 26 movies now um, that are related to uh, Marvel superheroes, Marvel comics, and um, they're all linked together. That's what, um, as a selling point of the MCU, is that all the movies are interconnected. And I think I've seen every MCU movie, uh, with the exception of... Um, like that first Hulk movie, which I'm not sure really even counts because they changed actors and they don't completely follow the same storyline. But um, I, I've i seen almost every single one and some of them multiple times, so I think I have a lot to add to this huge cinematic universe. Um, with Black Widow, I've seen it once um, in theaters uh, about a week after it came out. And I, I feel like it was on the weaker side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It felt like they made it because they had to and not really because they had a story that they wanted to tell. That, that's my general consensus on it. 
Yeah, I've been seeing that sentiment a lot. Like, this movie should have been made five years ago, uh, and it could have come out at any time. There was no reason for it to come out at the current time. And, well, since I'm not... I haven't watched much of the MCU, so I don't really have much of a perspective on that, but that's interesting to talk about uh, for people who are really invested into the MCU. Uh, As for me with the MCU, I've seen... I think I've seen both Ant-Man movies, the two Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, and just tidbits of other like Avengers movies. I'm not invested in the universe really at all. Uh, I just went to see Black Widow with my family when they went to see it in theaters, um, probably a week or two after it released. So it's been a couple weeks, and I've been doing a lot of research, looking at some commentary on it, and taking some notes for this discussion, and I think it's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with Black Widow, um, I I believe that it it doesn't need as much MCU context as a lot of other Marvel movies do. Like, there's okay. the occasional reference, um, like, if we hear them talking about, like, um, like Hawkeye, um, Black Widow and her experience with, um, it was some, uh, some city in, um, the Middle East, I think it was, uh, like you and I remember this Istanbul or somewhere, uh, we remember it very differently. And I think that was the, it it was referenced in previous Marvel movies. Um, and they actually really dove into that, that time, but that's really the only thing really tying it into, um, the, the greater MCU. So it, it works as a standalone movie, um, a lot better than a lot of other Marvel movies, but, I th- if anything, I think that gives uh, Nate, for example, a better uh, like perspective on it, you could say. Yeah, definitely. It, it was nice to be able to, well, not in a, I'm not, I don't know if I should say follow the story because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I didn't need to rely on external media from the MCU to understand the plot, which I would say is i don't know if that's like even a good or bad thing for a film that's in a universe it's kind of just a neutral thing where it's like it's digestible for anyone who watches it um the mcu fan can appreciate it um but it can also be appreciated by people who aren't super invested into that fan base um as long as it's well written so i think that's a good spot for a movie to be in that's kind of where the ant-man movies were at too like i uh, was able to watch them and understand what they were trying to get at without needing a bunch of references to previous films. So that's where I was at with those. So I, I'm i glad that I was able to watch that one, a one like this, instead of one like just watching Endgame without watching any of the previous films. Like Obviously, that would be way more confusing than just watching Black Widow, which is more standalone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely those big ensemble movies. They're a lot of their um enjoyment is reliant upon um knowing these characters. Like if mm-hmm. just to talk about Infinity War for example, um this this isn't really a spoiler, so I don't feel bad about saying it, but in that movie a lot of characters from like different planets even um come together and we see their interactions and if we were to just judge these characters um based on how they act with these uh new new other characters then we wouldn't really have a good grasp on who these characters actually are so a lot of those movies are reliant uh on past films uh solo films and like movies like Guardians of the Galaxy to really explain who these characters are. They don't have a lot of exposition in these movies. Just I think that's really good. That's really good for a saga to have when they're able to build up characters movie after movie. Uh, that's really impressive, typically, when they're able to plan out uh, arcs across like, I maybe, like maybe five-plus films. That's a sign of like really, really good planning, really good writing. And that's, that's kind of the, where you can, you can't really say a movie is good or bad for needing to have watched previous, um, 
movies or read previous media to understand it because sometimes they're like inherently connected and you'll have to like it that's just expected when you're going into this movie but that's not the case with black widow thankfully and yeah that made it really digestible for me in in that aspect at least mm-hmm. yeah with black widow the only mcu um knowledge of our backstory that we had was when she's talking for about 45 seconds explaining her story to loki in the first avengers movie she's um she's saying how she used to like work for this um like assassin organization oh, okay. and um how she um she uh eventually converted over to shield and um how she's changed and doesn't she doesn't do those things anymore that's that's really the only previous knowledge we've had of her backstory so this movie was a real um it built on black widow on black widow's character but it wasn't dependent on our previous knowledge of black widow Mm -hmm. okay that's good yeah well should we start diving into the film itself i think we should so should we start with the positives and then slowly work into the the more uh drawback side of things um yeah i like the idea of that yeah okay so there's a couple things in here that i thought were good um i thought the the uh the humor was actually above the level of a lot of other marvel movies which is saying something even if it wasn't like tonally correct in every scenario the like david harbour especially he just um had really good comedic timing i think with a lot of things and it was just well written in the dialogue aspect um and i think that's going to be a spot where we disagree a lot because i the humor mm-hmm. is one of my biggest issues with this movie yeah. um there are a, a lot of them uh it's kind of unfortunate because i like a lot of them in isolation if that makes sense but mm-hmm. when you put them in the context of this whole movie that that's kind of where they as you said, like there's a whole bunch of tonal clash here, and so the only comedic moments that I can even remember laughing at are when they are. Um, oh, also spoilers for Black Widow, by the way. We're going to be I mean, obviously um, when they're in the car discussing how Yelena really likes the new jacket that she bought. That mm. both of the both of the scenes that, that where they're talking about the funny. jacket, yeah. I. Uh, I really liked the uh, Florence Pugh's delivery. Her delivery was probably the best in terms of comedy for me because I was always just incredibly frustrated with David Harbour's character because they just made him a complete idiot most of the time who was naive and didn't read the room at all. And he was just infuriating. But Yelena was at least likable. And while she made, she cracked some jokes that I didn't think were totally in character... I can still appreciate them in isolation, I guess. Uh, And yeah, so it's just the humor when put in in the framework of the whole movie doesn't work well, but when it's in isolation, it's funny and enjoyable. So like watching humor compilations from this movie, I can get enjoyment out of that at least. Yeah. I think you're taking it from a bit of an outsider's perspective because almost all the Marvel movies are like this. Um, I have heard that. Even when, even when something serious is happening, like they, the, um, a lot of characters, like some characters are just very sarcastic in nature. Um, like Tony Stark and Stephen Strange, for example, they're just, um, very sarcastic people and that's just a part of their character. Um, and I think with David Harbour, that, that is a part of his character. He's just kind of that, um, constantly a little bit, he's not too serious with things. And I think, I think that this movie, it doesn't do it as well as a lot of other Marvel films. Um, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is very self-aware in how okay. yeah. it's it's humorous, for example. Like, uh, it, Black Widow just felt a little tonally confused. Definitely. It tried to be two things at once. It tried to be a serious, like, sci-fi action and it didn't have a lot of those more upbeat things as the other funnier Marvel movies did, but it tried to slip in that humor as well, which just didn't work out as well as it could have. 
Yeah, that's one of the most missed opportunities, I think, of this movie. It's dealing with some really, really dark subject matter, like women getting brainwashed into doing whatever this one person wants and having no realization that they're not a normal person at all. Like, that's really, really dark, and there's a lot of a lot of ways you could go about exploring that. But the movie just takes a lot of... They just divert into comedy so many times mm-hmm. when discussing that and, like, the very serious family uh, dynamic that's been breaking apart and they're trying to heal it. Like All of that is really engaging stuff that could be pretty pretty dark and you, you can really get invested in the storyline when it's based on that. And unfortunately, the comedy just takes, just rips that investment away so often. Um, and that's, it actually takes, in, takes me into one of my favorite things about the movie though the opening credits i I would wonder what you thought of those um to remind me of the opening credits i remember it was a cover of smells like teen spirit and some black and white footage of something what was the black and white footage showing yeah so it wasn't that some of it was black and white and some of it was just really grungy really dark footage with like hazy yellow filters just of the all of the Dracov's group just taking all the little girls off to the red room um mm. and all of them screaming in horror like getting their belongings ripped from them get, like being ripped away from their family it's like really dark really effective dark imagery that's going on um and the song is really eerie i know it's not like the I know it's a cover version of the song, but it, when it's like slowed down and has that drag to it, it's uh, a lot. It, it was really effective just because it's really striking imagery that is paired with uh, really good color balancing as well as a really dark song. And I kind of wish it, the movie had just maintained a tone like that the whole time. I think it would have been really effective as a film thematically mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, I think this is this is going to sound a little bit weird out of the gate, but Jojo Rabbit is a good example of a movie that knows what it's doing tonally and commits to something. Because Jojo Rabbit, it's a satirical uh, film about Nazis, mm-hmm. and instead of taking itself like super seriously and um, being very... Uh, um, like heavy and um, like expressing the more sad parts of that, it plays itself very comedically and um, has very upbeat music and vibrant colors. And um, like the opening title sequence of that, for instance, is like um, like a German version of a Beatles song um, playing to black and white footage of like original footage of like Nazis saluting and stuff. And it plays into the satire really hard, so it commits yeah. to one style, like just kind of gradually making fun of like that Nazi culture through like taking everything from a humorous perspective. Um, Black Widow does the opposite of that by attempting to play like a uh, like into that darker side, like you were saying, but trying to throw humor into it. You have to commit one Mm -hmm. way or the other or find a balance that doesn't clash i think it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too it you can't really have the comedy mixed with the dark uh subject matter especially when they're so close together like there can be dark movies with comedy totally like totally there's no uh there's definitely ways to execute that effectively it's just that black widow puts them so close together, like seconds apart sometimes. Um, the main one that sticks out to me with that is Yelena is accusing Natasha of like abandoning her and just a bunch of other heavy things. A few seconds later, she's making fun of her for posing when she fights. And mm. once again, yeah. that joke is funny in isolation, but like. I don't think this character is very invested if they're diverting from the topic to make a joke. Like, if the character isn't even showing investment, it's really hard for me to be invested in it. And 
Um, that's like the main issue with the uh, situational comedy, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that. Uh, on that note, with um, the the posing thing, with Black Widow posing whenever she like jumps or does something, um, I I actually appreciated that comment because it got very meta. Um, and I like movies that are a little bit self-conscious and break the fourth wall a little bit. It just, um, it shows that the writers are comfortable, at least in some aspects of what they're doing. If they're comfortable acknowledge and acknowledging that what they're doing is a story, it's a work of fiction, and breaking the fourth wall a little bit, and is a little self-conscious of kind of the tropes and how weird it is and points, like... That that's a sign of confident writing, and I'm sure you'd uh, agree that a lot of the rest of the movie isn't well written in aspects. But just acknowledging that there's an audience watching and a camera and breaking the fourth wall is just something that I find generally um, interesting and uh, very. Uh, what's the word for it? Just adds it adds a bit to the movie and something to think about yeah i can definitely appreciate a fourth wall break um but once again that i it's mostly just in isolation that i appreciate it um and i I would say that that's kind of where the difference between it being like well written and me liking it that i mean it's I can I can find enjoyment in something that's like not even that well written, um, like that fourth wall break. Just it's it's good in the one aspect that it's um, that it is breaking that fourth wall and just talking to the audience for a little bit indirectly. It's good in that aspect, but there are other aspects where it might fall short. Um, and mm-hmm. so finding that balance a little bit. Yeah. So if we want to talk about a couple more of the the good points that I enjoyed in this movie, um, I thought the character dynamic between uh, Natasha and Yelena was, it was interesting and it was dynamic. And one of the, one of my favorite things to find in any work of art, whether it be like music or um, film, it's, it's change, it's dynamic, it's, it's growth, right? So if we see something evolving in an artful way, like, they are in a very unique family situation and to see them go through and deal with that um in the way they do like the first scene after uh after they're adults and they uh natasha's finding her in her apartment and they like have that kind of gun conversation thing that that was an interesting uh compelling scene and they eventually grow to be friends again, and it's 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 a dynamic that I I appreciated. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think their dynamic would have been, was my favorite like character aspect of the movie. Well, uh, I, I think it has like the most strong moments between two characters. I definitely think there are problems like with that scene in the apartment. I have no idea why they're fighting. I have no idea why they stop fighting, but. Um, there are moments in the film like like those scenes where they're just where they're just sitting down and talking they're uh, they're sitting in the car and talking at the end when they're bantering and when they're talking about the jacket like all those scenes like they get me invested in them because they're just acting really i guess normal they're they're just having these normal conversations that are uh it kind of endears you to them when they're just like when she, when Yelena gets so happy about this one jacket, like that's just that's just kind of fun to watch, and especially when it fits situationally, uh, that's when that's when I'll really enjoy a character dynamic. And so there are some inconsistencies with it, but overall, it's probably the strongest. Yeah, I I really enjoyed most of the human side of the movie. Anyway, um, David Harbor. Uh, he hit you i know you didn't really like his comedic thing back to the comedic thing again mm-hmm. but all the dialogue and interactions um just between the family i thought was interesting and i thought the opening scene um when they were younger uh i thought that that was good except for like the forest light fire things they only added that so the movie could have an excuse to go full circle 
and have them in at the end that was oh, dumb. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just it felt so forced and like this is these things foreshadowing hint hint um it it just um it it fell flat and it lacked really any meaning behind it but there are a lot of those I, setups mm-hmm. in the first scene like the picture book with the family that comes yeah. back the american pie song that comes back yeah. as well um, and i'm fine and, i'm completely fine with movies doing that only yeah. if they do it well if they do it like to the degree that a nolan movie does it um or like a film like the father that oh, yeah. has that kind of uh evolution throughout the story or coming full circle with something then that is a situation where it can really add a lot to the movie if it's done cleverly and in a way that doesn't like feel obtrusive at all if it just feels natural at first and then eventually is something that can be appreciated at the end in hindsight like that that's that's an example of it being done really well with uh like uh inception for instance like where they're quoting certain lines again or they're um there's motifs like the train or the top or stuff like that yeah and another one of those from the first scene is when uh, Yelena falls over and her mom tells her pain always makes you stronger. It's like, th- I mean, this is this is just a cut, and I, I I don't know if you need to get that philosophical about a little cut, but it's then realized that oh, that's so that we can have a payoff when uh, Natasha and Melina like make up and reconcile with each other a little bit. It's it's pretty heavy-handed, not very subtle. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I can understand what they were going for. Yeah, I if they're, if they're working it in to... I feel like they added that moment in at the end, and then they said, all right, we need to make this... Uh, we need to add some foreshadowing for this. They just mm-hmm. copy and paste it and put it in at the beginning of the script. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Uh, a very unartful way to to add any sort of revolution to the story. I think the best one that they did, though, was implementing American Pie. I think that actually fits narratively because the parents don't want Yelena and Natasha to, like, realize, like, how grim what's actually happening in this, like, where they're going in this card in the opening scene. They don't want them to know how grim it actually is. And Natasha's catching on a little bit, but Yelena is still pretty oblivious. And so they put on her favorite song. And then that song plays over shots of Yelena looking longingly at the neighborhood, the neighborhood kids just playing and having a normal time and just wishing for that when we know what's, or when we find out what's going to be happening to her, we think back to her just listening to her favorite song, seeing neighborhood neighborhood kids playing. And that, that, that really makes it pretty tragic. I don't think the way that they call back to it is good, but just in the moment, American playing American Pie in that scene was actually pretty effective, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think natural. American Pie is also just a good song choice for that. It literally has the word American in the title, and that's yeah. kind of what mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of longing for to kind of just be that suburban normal family exactly in america right Mm -hmm. um so that's a good song choice as well yeah um if we want to start uh kind of trickling into the more negative sides of the movie one thing that i didn't like was the pacing of the plot the way that natasha isn't taking the lead until well into the movie is a little bit disappointing like she doesn't join in the story until there's any personal motivation at all um it's just her going along with the motions like yeah i hate to always bring up the same director but nolan um (laughs) and tenet it's basically like there's that first scene uh where the protagonist is going along with the motions and um about like 15 minutes in the protagonist is already in a position of um making large decisions and being 
a driving force in the movie, just enough to get a protagonist into the world, into the plot, then letting them, cutting the reins and letting them just take control of the story. That's what's ideal for me. Now, yeah. in Black Widow, we don't, Natasha doesn't get involved in the plot, uh, the actual conflict of the plot, until there's any personal motivation, like with her sister and uh, Drakov. Like, if if the character, our main character, our protagonist, isn't going to be involved for this long in the movie, like, what's the point of having those that first part of the movie that the character isn't involved in? That can be condensed. That can be just maybe not even there because it's less important at all. Like, yeah, I didn't. Even, I didn't really. I didn't really pick up on that. But now that you talk about it, it's like, yeah, like she didn't really have. She was kind of going from place to place where the script told her to. It's not really like the script gave her many reasons to do what she was doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I didn't think about that. I do actually like, have one more was, positive, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the that family dinner scene, I um, I basically like split. Like I have a whole page just on this one scene. Um, half of it is good. Half of it is bad. I think there's a lot of good uh, clashing of perspectives. Like all the di- all the characters have different perspectives that create. A conflict, and I think I think that's actually pretty well supported. So, Yelena uh, has like a big flaw of being overly accusatory in that scene. She like points out something that's wrong with every single person in that room, but doesn't offer any solutions. So her accusations are justified, but she doesn't desire to. She doesn't show any desire to actually fix the um, situation at all, which is an understandable flaw, but a flaw nonetheless that drives some conflict. And that kind of clashes with Natasha's flaw of just being overdramatic. And when she kind of slumps back in her chair and she ends up bursting out at both of her parents, ends up saying the family just didn't even feel real at all when that's not truly how she feels. And then Melina has a problem with just refusing to accept responsibility. And she like, doesn't she really struggles to admit uh, her wrongdoing in manipulating multiple women to be mind controlled like she really has trouble even placing her mind on that wrongdoing and so all of those flaws all of those perspectives create a pretty interesting scene that's sometimes stopped by comedy but when it's not it's actually pretty effective mm-hmm. and yeah that's about it for like main positives so <laughs> unfortunately yeah. but Let's see. i uh, i thought that scene was it, it just drug on a little too long like it was just people getting mad at each other and it wasn't something that we had enough background on for the audience to care about it as much as the writers would like us to because we only had that short opening scene just showing them like in the woods for a little bit and then mm-hmm. about five minutes into that they were like running away from the fbi with a, like a, a file on a plane and it was just straight into the action we didn't really even have any background for that family dynamic so that that, that um just lacked really any meaning or motivation for the audience i think yeah but, and they didn't really show that family in a good state at all in the movie, at least not before this dinner scene, because at that mm-hmm. scene at their home in like Ohio or wherever it was, the dad is just like, he doesn't even look happy to see anyone there. And that seems to be the norm. And then they reflect back on their childhood and it doesn't even seem like they were enjoying it at the time because they took like, they took all their holiday pictures on the same day in different outfits. Um, and it, it would it would have been it would have hit harder if we would have seen them in a good state, even if it was for just like five minutes. That's better than nothing, which is what we got. Um, so I yeah, mm-hmm. the only thing I really could take away positively from that is just their perspectives in the moment, not that it's really supported by anything that the movie is set up. Yeah. Um, an issue that I had with um, a. Uh a mechanic in the in the universe 
is a similar issue I had with Wonder Woman 1984, where they would conveniently introduce some sci-fi or like fantasy mechanic about 20 minutes before it would become extremely relevant to the plot. Um, uh, their mother, I, I don't remember her name, but um, she was... It's Melina. Uh, Melina, and then yeah. Yelena is the daughter. Yelena, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Yelena, <laughs> Melina. Yeah, so Melina, her mind control thing with the pig, like, that conveniently comes in a little bit before the climax. Um, like, it just, it feels forced. Have you seen Wonder Woman 1984? Uh, I have not. I've heard it's terrible, so I've kind of just <laughs> not seen it. <laughs> that That might be a fun movie to just bash on one day but in that movie okay. they it's it feels like they the writers wrote themselves into a hole so they just invented a new mechanic to dig themselves out of it and i could see right through it that happens several times in the film where they just add new capabilities that the characters have to to save the plot um and maybe if it was introduced in a natural way earlier in the film it would have been a little bit less awkward and forced, but it wasn't. It was conveniently introduced just before it was necessary. Mm-hmm. So stuff yeah. that you can see through, if I can tell like a writing process for uh, some mechanic in a film, then it's probably not a very good process because I saw right through it right if you can see through the writing and if something feels like it's part of a pre-written story then it's you're losing out on a lot of immersion there mm-hmm. and it's that's just not ideal obviously yeah there are a lot of moments where the the script just exposes itself like oh i can i can tell you did that just to set something else up i can tell you did that just so that this character is conveniently able to do something else like and those are the moments that like really break the immersion and really throw off any investment that I have. I know that's subjective, like some other people may not notice those, but when we're when you're a little more uh film oriented and more of a film nerd like we are, that's gonna stick out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the action and tension in this film? Oh, yeah. So action, I think, is pretty subpar at best. There's little... I, I feel, like, no tension for any of these characters because there is so much plot armor for Black for Black Widow and Yelena. Like, That's kind of an issue with when you're um, doing a movie where we already know what happens with a character in the future. Like, well, obviously they live because they're in, like, another five movies after this. Like... It's it's an issue with these big sagas. That's that's just one of those issues. Like obviously characters have died in these sagas, but there's still a lot of uh story built up around them through other films. So if something's happening beforehand, we kind of don't really have as much tension as there should be. So they have to write in tension by having the characters know crucial details that the audience should know in a good story but aren't like the fact that black widow uh severed her nerve or whatever her nose um oh man to create tension and we didn't know about that i that concept is just really outlandish in the first place but a lot of problems with that part (laughs) but their entire plan before infiltrating the place in the sky um they make this entire plan up um before they they get like arrested or whatever and we don't see that plan Mm -hmm. happen and the only tension there is created by crucial details not being shared with the audience there yeah Um, yeah that's about it that is one question i actually wrote down like for exploration would it be more or less tense if the audience knew the hero's plan in the third act i i think knowing the plan 
Could it would have been, been a lot less tense. Oh, I, if they knew the plan, then they could have added tension in other ways, like yeah. making it a more difficult uh, feat that they have to accomplish. That would have been interesting, but they're just going to have this plan that works just fine from the start, and they go through the motions. That wouldn't have been interesting if we had known it, but once it's revealed that they had this plan the whole time, like it just makes you feel like an idiot when you're watching it because you're like, oh, well, how was I supposed to figure this out? Like, Oh, yeah. Because I do think that there are some moments that could have been more intense if we had known, like, if we had known that uh, Black Widow was, that, like, did that face mask of Melina's face, um, if we had known that she was doing that beforehand, it would have been, it could have been intense in that room uh, to want, have as the audience asking, will she be able to cover up the secret? Will she be able to fool Drakov into it? Um, and instead, what we get is just they don't tell us the plan, and then Drakov somehow knows it because he looked into her eyes or something. I, and it's that's a that's a good way to put it because he looked into her eyes or something that's like that's I, mean, the perfect I think that's what he said way, like <laughs> yeah like that's that's just the perfect way to like uh put that they had no plan and i'm sure this movie had some crazy production hell when it came to um came to just the entire process of making this movie because Nothing feels cohesive uh, throughout the entire writing process, and I bet they had like a couple writers kind of shuffle through it, and no one agreed on anything. So that's why it feels like a jumbled mess when you're watching it. But yeah, I think I saw that the writing, some of the writers had very little experience um, in mm. like Marvel or just script writing in general. I I don't know yeah. for sure, but I, I can. It look feels up. like a Kathleen Kennedy. And the whole oh, Lucasfilm thing. <laughs> the sequ- <laughs> I don't know if it's that bad as the sequel trilogy, but it, it's getting there. <laughs> um, oh. My opinion on the action is that, like, there were some, uh, like, creative new ideas. Like, I thought the the snow prison and the helicopter, that was an interesting idea. I'm not sure if it was executed perfectly but i it was a interesting uh sequence to watch that i enjoyed even if there were a couple flaws with it what do you think of that whole helicopter rescue scene yeah i think that scene's a disaster (laughs) yeah um i i find it very hard to believe that alexi after rotting in prison for years if not decades is able to outrun dozens of guards and hundreds of prisoners and there is actually one editing moment where he's one shot. He's just in, he's just surrounded by a crowd of prisoners and guards. The next shot, he's just at the other end of the crowd. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. that, that's more of the plot armor. And then there are moments where, uh, Natasha is, as soon as she lands on the railing, the guards stare at her for like five seconds with guns and don't shoot. And the helicopter just happens to not be, shot in any fatal area that it takes like nine it takes like nine hits but two go past yelena and then seven hit right around the window enough like it's just really convenient for all these for well, all, the, all, the all whole, of our heroes the whole stormtrooper aim thing is excusable in these kinds of movies because like if they're just not getting shot at i mean like what what are they gonna do to make to make this a riveting action scene, right? I think the whole, like, I'm not sure if this is an actual term that people use a lot, but just stormtrooper accuracy, like, just the whole joke that they don't hit anything. Yeah. Like, that, that is sometimes necessary, um, and that that's why I defend that. But. Yeah, to a degree. I, I mean, I would... I wouldn't say it's good when the stormtroopers are bad, even though, like, because there are moments, I think at the beginning of episode four, the stormtroopers are pretty good, and 
at the beginning of episode five, they're pretty good, and then they're like a joke in episode six. And I would mm-hmm. I would consider it a flaw whenever the enemy isn't threatening. That's another flaw with actually the Mandalorian too. The stormtroopers are an actual joke, but so I basically consider it bad because the, like the stakes are really low when an enemy is so incompetent. And the thing with the helicopter is a little more excusable than the first two, where they just escape because of characters not doing something. The helicopter, like she, like it's a pretty far distance, so I can I can understand that one a little bit more, uh, plot armor wise at least. Yeah, uh, I have some comebacks for that Star Wars argument a little bit later, but now about Black Widow. Okay. Um, the whole, um, the whole tension, the way they add tension is just really forced and unnatural in every instance of it. That's, that's just the main takeaway with, with tension. And especially in like an action superhero movie like this, mm-hmm. tension should be the main focus. That should be the main thing that's done well. Right. But yeah. if the whole concept of tension is just executed terribly, throughout the entire film, like there's really no point to the film because action movies are about tension. Exactly. It's, it's not going to work well if you don't have any functioning tension. Yeah. And that's where, that's why plot armor can be so damaging because if your character can survive most things, if not anything, then you, there's no, um, there's no physical stakes, at least, and it, it might have been made up for if they had gotten some emotional stakes and some emotional tension. But that was, as we've discussed already, a little bit thematically broken already. And so mm-hmm. you'd kind of think, well, at least I could have some good action with some high stakes. But almost every action scene, there is a major plot convenience and the my characters just surviving insane things um, that just ruin it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Do you want to delve into some other aspects that you have in your notes? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. A lot of these are just, like, my notes are pretty much just chronologically, this happens, uh, what's good about it, what's wrong with it. Uh, but I think I have some bigger ones that would be good talking points um let's see okay yeah so the vials um of mind control kind of confused me that like in the beginning uh when yelena sends them to natasha i had like five points just on what 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 was the goal here it seemed really confusing and i know this is kind of specific but uh, it's worth talking about because the plot kind of relies on these vials and how they're distributed. So I don't know if you had any anything you noticed about those, or even if it's just at any point in the movie. Um, I think the whole mind control thing is really dumb. Just mind control in general is not a good, uh, good uh, point in a movie because then the threat is narrowed down to a much more consolidated uh, entity. It's not really like there's this whole group of people uh, working against the protagonist. It's usually just a smaller uh, consolidated person that's working against the the protagonist, right? So if, yeah. if everyone is mind-controlled, then that really means that the threat is not as big as it seems, right? Going back mm-hmm. to the whole tension thing, the tension isn't as intimidating as it really is. Yeah, and especially when that threat can be extinguished by someone punching a vial around them, and then it, it's just done. Yeah. It's like, that. it's a pretty easy solution. Another easy solution is breaking your nose against it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yep, that I mean it's just it just more comes back to tension, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, the mind control just I I like it as like I said the dark subject matter in that way, but it's not um it's not effective for those 
like really intense scenes at all, like you said. Let's see. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts for uh, stuff like that? Um, okay, so I have a lot of notes about the one scene where Alexi and Yelena are in the room at the house together where it's just the two of them uh, it, that's after like the whole family dinner scene that goes pretty poorly mm-hmm. this was one of the main moments where it wasn't even necessarily the comedy that broke it it was just way too fast of a resolution i guess and that kind of happens with uh, melina and natasha as well but yelena is like way worse in this case, so it'd be like this is after the dinner scene, so Yelena is just in a room by herself, not wanting to talk to anyone, and then Alexi comes in there and sits down on the bed quietly, and I'm thinking, okay, this could be an interesting scene where Alexi no not Alexa, shoot, <laughs> my Alexa went off, Alexi could have just. Uh, sat next to her and sat there quietly because she said she didn't want to talk. And then he could have started bringing up some way to apologize to her after what he did to her. Um, with a, But instead, he just chooses to talk about a story of his dad peeing on him while ice fishing. And it's yeah. like... Uh, that's what I mean about him being naive... It's so frustrating how tone deaf he is. And then after, yeah. like, and then that just makes Yelena really upset, as it would, someone completely ignoring the actual issue and just going into a random story about their dad that they think will be funny. So, up to there, I like that. I like that Yelena kept that stone cold reaction. But then Alexei just starts singing American Pie. And this is that callback to the opening scene. And I, I like it in concept as long as more work was done before he starts singing, but he just sings American Pie, and then they seem to, they, they both start singing together, and then they seem to have reconciled without addressing any of the issues that actually were going on between mm-hmm. them. And that's really frustrating because that's just, that's just pure manipulation from Alexi. He's refusing to even talk about any of his wrongdoings and he's just tugging at Yelena's feelings trying to get her on his side and she just accepts it because the script needs her to be on the same side as him for the third act and that's what where I'm talking about like the script really exposes itself it's really frustrating because that is like I cannot imagine someone who does something terrible to me and then just uses something I have an emotional connection to to try and win me back without actually talking anything out. Um, That's like really, really poor characterization and extremely rushed reconciliation so that they can be um, on the same team in the third act. That was a really long... I feel feel bad for David Harbour having to work with what the writers gave him because he's a great actor and... I'm not sure how much Stranger Things you've seen, but um, at least in the first season of Stranger Things, he's just such a emotionally um, in-tune actor. He's really good at playing into emotional stuff um, oh, and man. having a good sense of what a character should be feeling. That isn't as true in later seasons, but David Harbour definitely has that capability. But so they could have done that if the script was suited for what he could have done. Because I know David Harbour could have had that real emotional reconciliation scene Mm. if the writers gave it to him. But sometimes it just doesn't work out with a great actor not being able to perform great dialogue. Yeah, that's such a shame because... There was so much potential with their relationship 
with the whole family dynamic and especially hearing that David Harbour has been really effective emotionally acting wise like that's that's pretty disappointing to hear that the script let him down that much um because that scene is still probably it's probably the most infuriating scene for me and like just that extra context makes it even harder to accept mm-hmm. and yeah a lot of david harbour's character was just a little bit uncomfortable in like about a quarter of the things that he said just like mm-hmm. felt really out of place when he tries to fit into the old suit and he make like they make a whole joke about that they name a pig after him it's like they don't i don't think they cared about his character very much i think they just wanted to ridicule him yeah unfortunately he's just a crazy russian guy yeah, i guess um do you have anything else you'd like to add or are you about wrapping wrapping up wow i i want to talk about natasha breaking her nose uh, just talk about it a little bit at least i don't want to talk about that i think that that deserves to just be unsaid that that's just terrible like yeah because <laughs> uh, uh, i'm gonna go into it a little bit because they they try to justify it hilariously molina says that you have to sever the olfactory nerves which many people aren't gonna know what that what those are but i looked up a diagram and they are extremely deep in your into your uh skull like there is there is no way that slamming your face on a table is gonna sever those at all but mm-hmm. and then that's she just what they ended up doing by um yeah like uh-huh. pulling on it snapping snapping it back into place yeah and I'm and fine I, you with, would like, think inconsistencies like that in favor of something that is well written like that that is completely fine if it's for a good cause but if it's for something as dumb as like she has to be able to not smell the guy to be able to attack him like that's just such a weird premise to begin with oh yeah and then running with it for as long as they did um like for someone that like Dracoff 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 is intimidating on his own I think like they could have mm-hmm. made Drakov even more intimidating, like, but instead he just is all cocky and has his guards leave the room and everything and does that, and it just they wrote uh, themselves into a hole. I, I feel like like the same situation mm-hmm. where we were talking about with um they them needing to add tension in for no apparent reason. Yeah, and it's. I don't think it's a great sign when your enemy's big thing that's gonna like really set him apart is you can't attack me when you smell me. It's like, oh, and there were so many loopholes to that too. Like she could just go across the room and shoot him. She could drop an explosive in his direction. Like not doesn't necessarily have to be to try to kill him. Just throw an explosive his direction because you're not like committing the action straight to him. Like there are loopholes that she could have taken too, and it's like I I don't think I don't know why Drakeoff would depend on that the pheromone lock. Like that's a really yeah really weak defense system. And then we're back to the whole like mind control thing, like how on earth does mind control work? Like a person can't directly intend to harm him. Like what? I mean, yeah, that has to be like such, uh, like such a gray area, so much gray area involved in that. Like, like that's the one thing that that the pheromone does. That's the one thing. Apparently that, that pheromone, like it doesn't mind control her in any other way. It doesn't make her subservient. No, it literally only prevents her from being able to kill him and nothing else. It's it's so contrived, and it, that's the script exposing itself once again. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's honestly like I laughed when that happened in the theater. Because uh, I, I had actually seen that specific scene on Twitter without the context at all. I just saw the clip of her slamming her nose into a table. And when I saw the reasoning, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's a thing. <laughs> 
Yep. Yeah, there's just so many other like cinemasins in this movie. Ugh. Like <laughs> this is yeah. this is a movie for cinemasins and I'm actually curious to see uh what the cinemasins channel does with this movie cuz I'm yeah. fine with movie having those in- movies having those inconsistencies like that as long as it makes up for it with the the plot, but mm-hmm. this movie is kind of death by a thousand cuts. There are just so many just small issues that I I don't necessarily know. I, I don't necessarily just want to list off issue after issue because that's just kind of boring to listen to. At least uh, I, at least for me, I think it would be. But when the movie just just has those small issues after small issues, it's like they may be small issues in in isolation, but they all culminate to form a film that's pretty pretty broken overall. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Should I we think do that's uh, about scores? Yeah, we should. I'm going to give this movie a C. I just okay. think that it has potential and there are a couple enjoyable parts, but it's it's got some tone deafness and uh some inconsistencies that just don't add up. What about you? Yeah, um I initially gave it a D plus and I am sticking with that after all the research that I did and finding even more issues with it, um uh, and after this discussion exposing a little bit more even that I hadn't thought of. I'm gonna stick with D plus objectively and I don't know if you have a different subjective score. I guess my subjective score would be like a C minus because of some of Florence Pugh's delivery, but that's about it. Uh, my objective and subjective scores are the same. Okay. Yep. Well, should we talk about talk a little bit about what we do personally if people want to check us out? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Nate does some awesome uh, Hollywood style trailer edits for um, uh, really lots of movies and shows, and he just is really good at video editing and making things look epic. And you play pool, so that's cool. <laughs> I I do have a couple <laughs> pool videos, yeah. <laughs> and Nathan and then, runs a awesome photography account. He just posted a picture of the Milky Way, which was like that was really cool. I uh, seeing that, um, especially like that you were able to grab that. What, like, were you still in California with that? Um, no, I I took that uh, on very northern Arizona. That's called oh, okay. the Arizona Strip, um, the part awesome. of Arizona that no one lives in north of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yep. And then on, I also run a little Instagram account called Sentence Film Reviews, where I just review a movie in one sentence and hope to start a discussion in the comment section, which has worked every now and then. Um, so if you're interested, check that out. And we also run a podcast with Nick and Sweeney, who is from the Talosa Tech Podcast. We, uh, It's the Nick and the Nathans show, and we're hopefully going to be recording some new episodes soon once Nick is uh, satisfied with all that he's gotten at Starbase and has more time. But anyway, that's about it for now, if you have anything else. Yeah, I also um, have some some music. I'm a musician oh, yeah. and music producer. For sure. Um, I have uh, my project, uh, Torch Decade, has an album out. You can stream that mm-hmm. anywhere. And I'm working on some music under my own name currently that should be out in the near future. Um, hi, Emoji. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> nice. Sounds great. All right. Um, you can find me at Nathan Matthews Photo on Instagram, uh, Sentence Film Reviews uh, on Instagram for Nate. Um, and, and Nathan Coley edits yep. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And yeah, be we sure can to link check out our podcast, Nick and the Nathans. So. Yeah, we'll link yeah. everything in the notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, awesome. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the 70 millimeter mindset. Um, we're going to be doing lots of episodes in the future. We hope to be able to cover lots of great movies and shows. Um, sounds like we have some hot takes 
uh, for the Mandalorian and Knives Out. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Um, and it'd be great to just talk about some of our favorite movies too. So, for sure, we, we'll be. It, we're not. We don't just bash bad movies. We also like to rave about good movies too. So. Yeah, and when we're talking about bad movies, uh, I like to think that when you're able to analyze what makes a film bad, you're also able to appreciate what makes a great film a great film. What what is so amazing about it. And that really makes you appreciate film as a whole. So I think talking about both is great. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Yep. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye.